hello. I'm right. You can't help but dance. <laughs> hello, everybody. Welcome to Kick-Ass Conversations with Louise and Kim. I am Kim. That and is Louise. Yeah, I'm not. I'm the other one. You're the other one. And we have Sarah with us today. We will explain why we're so excited that Sarah is here in a little while. But we <laughs> want to start this week like we start every week, diving right into what are we celebrating this week? And if you're joining us live, please let us know what you're celebrating as well. What are we celebrating, friends? Can I share? Of course. Yes. I am getting on a plane tomorrow morning to go to Hawaii for the first time. I've been to Hawaii, but as a, I'm a college golf coach, which we'll talk about. First time I've ever taken a team to Hawaii, and it's tomorrow, and I'm so excited. Can you take me? Sure. Thanks. Done we, didn't, we didn't plan that very well, Kim. We needed to be on the West Coast I know. tomorrow in order to hop that plane. Um, we could so still maybe get there. Fun. So much fun. Um, I'm celebrating you both. I am so excited for today. I've been looking forward to it. Um, two of my favorite humans in the same square. Like, I just, I'm, I'm just pumped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's more of a rectangle, but we're not going to, we don't have to be perfectionists. Yeah. I was like, we're in different squares, actually. We are different. We're, in, we're encompassed with. Oh, okay. <laughs> Come on. Jeez. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. And I'm, I'm celebrating technology <laughs> this week too. I've been kind of dabbling in a little AI this week. And Kim, you and I have talked about like, how are we automating and, and what does that all look like? And so, right. And it's technology that allows us not just to put on this podcast, but like to be here and for me to maintain my friendships from like miles and kilometers away from uh from folks so and borders and yeah. borders absolutely um so i love it so yeah that's what i'm celebrating this week how about you kim well i'm not actually here i'm just ai so I'm <laughs> so scary <laughs> that'd be weird wouldn't it we're probably not as far away as we think from that <laughs> um i actually i am it's a it's again a personal thing i am celebrating um my daughter today um, she is in her first high school musical. She's in, in, they do high school starting in seventh grade up here. So um, it would be a middle school musical elsewhere, but this is seventh grade to 11th graders in um, the cast of Greece. And we went last night and I'm also celebrating my parents who sat through all of our high school musicals. Um, it's so different from this side. And my inner stage manager and director is like, so many things I want to get my hands on. But I am celebrating Izzy because it is just phenomenal to see her enjoying and being a part of something that she has dreamed about being a part of and being able to, as her mom, sit back and and just watch that and be a part of it. Um, it just it just fills my heart. So that's what I'm celebrating today. Um, what was Izzy's role? Who was so Izzy's in the chorus? Sweet. Yeah. She's one of three. So it's a cast of 50. You're going to love this. It's a cast of 50. There are four males who identify, four individuals who identify as males who, is, who are in the cast. There are definitely more than four so male roles. That's John Travolta's role. and, the, and Yeah. So the Danny three. and Kanicki, the two yeah. main male roles yeah. are played by female identifying individuals. Wow. 
Uh, yeah, Life it's has pretty, come so far. It is pretty phenomenal. Um, the crew, which is a crew of 25, is um, there are only two people who identify as male on the crew. So like it is pretty powerful to see this happening as well. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's super fun. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Sarah. Hi. Hi. Um, I love that you're here and I'm just going to do a real quick, uh, little bio. Like, so everybody- you got tongue tied there. I did. <laughs> You'd think I was famous or something. That's so excited. She just loves you so, so much. You are famous. You are. I am a contributor to Wines Day Wednesdays with Louise. Absolutely. Um, So just for everyone else in the great big wide world who doesn't know you, um, I will do a quick little bio um, that you shared. And I love this bio. It makes me smile. Sarah is a CLCC certified life coach, college golf coach, lifetime member of the Ladies Professional Golf Association, and an Amazon best-selling author of the book, Your Future Self Will Thank You. She is a three-time Big East Coach of the Year, 2022 WCC Coach of the Year, the 2015 LPGA National Coach of the Year and was inducted into the Gates Chili High School Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York in 2016. Sarah believes in the law of attraction, that toilet paper goes over, not under. Woo! Fantastic podcast episode on the best parts about that one. And that Charleston Jews should only be eaten straight out of the freezer. She has an irrational fear of frogs, is a loyal fan of the musical Rent, and thinks olives taste like feet smell. You'll never convince her otherwise. Sarah lives in San Francisco with her wife, Kat, and their rescue dog, Harvey Milk, who spends time barking in toaster ovens, peeing on every third tree, and defending his mom fiercely from squirrels and the mailman. Um, I'm so happy you're here today, Sarah. She's not the only one. <laughs> We're thank thrilled you. to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my name is over Harvey, but Harvey's in the room as well. Just saying. So you know. It's actually not. We can see him. Oh, I can't. Well, there he is. Um, Sarah. You know, one of the we just didn't have you on this podcast uh, because we love you and adore you. Um, but really curious um, for you to share a little bit about your career journey because it is it's so fitting, right? Our topic today is about looking back to move forward, um, and I think your career journey has been one that is all about that. So, can you share with folks a little bit about like where you're at and how you got to where you are? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I adore you both. Um, We've certainly had a fun journey together, the three of us. And when I connected with the two of you for the first time is when I started to consider changing my career or broadening it a little bit. So uh, I actually grew up in upstate New York and I was a golfer my whole life. So I played college golf at Penn State and I knew that I was going to go into golf somehow. And when I graduated college, I intended to go play on the LPGA tour. 
And then I realized I was burnt out and I'm a people person and I just want to work with people instead. So I actually moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was working as a golf pro at a country club. And I did that for five years, got my LPGA certification on the teaching side. Um, and after a few years, I'm like, my, I'm bored. I'm like taking tea times and folding shirts. And I do get to teach a little and work with the junior golfers, but it just wasn't fulfilling. So I actually went up to my alma mater and started my coaching career. And that's where I felt like, Financially, I took my first step back, but it has paid off exponentially. So started coaching there. I was an assistant coach for five years um, on for the women's golf team. And then I was able to start the women's golf program at Seton Hall in South Orange, New Jersey in 2010. I was there for seven years. And now I am at the University of San Francisco. And this is my, I'm almost on my sixth year here. It's crazy. So yeah, that's like the core of my career. Um, and then when I met you both, I actually decided I wanted to be a life coach on the side. So I am a certified life coach and I have a, a little side business um, and I am an author and I'm working on my second book right now. So I realized you don't have to just do one thing. No, you don't. Indeed, you don't. I think that is um, a misconception that a lot of people have is that they think that they need to set their sights on, I have one passion, I have I have one mission in life, I have one thing that I'm good at, I have to hone that thing and just do that thing yeah. versus I have a lot of different interests. They may or may not all come together, um, but I can do all these different things. What, what do you think of, has allowed you to embrace those different parts of you? Brene Brown. <laughs> and my wife. Um, I remember reading Brene Brown, The Gifts of Imperfection, and something really resonated with me is often people just identify as like, my name's Sarah, and I'm a golf coach. And she's like, why can't you say I am a this, this, like list four things that you do that maybe bring an income, but are part of your holistic journey um, in your career. And that's where I started I stopped saying I'm a golf coach and I started saying I'm a golf coach, a life coach and an author. It sounds cooler. And that's really what I do is all of that. So I think um, reading that gave me permission to be okay with a different journey than just having one thing I do. And my beautiful and wonderful wife has been very, very supportive of all these extra things I'm doing on the side to try to figure out what's next. I will never forget in the fall of 2019, before I knew the two of you beautiful humans existed, I had Googled the life coach certification in San Francisco and the CLCC came up. I applied right away because I looked at the schedule and I looked at how much it cost and all the stuff. And I was like, I need to do something different. Uh, and my wife came home and I said, so I just applied for a life coach certificate and it's going to cost like a lot of money and I'm going to be gone every Saturday and I'm going to have to do this, this, and this. And she's like, okay, we'll work it out. Like that has helped me be okay with figuring out that I don't have to just go down one path. I forget what the original question was, <laughs> but I think I answered oh, it. Yeah, you did. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I think too, it's a big misconception that like, especially as young adults, when we come out of, you know, our post-secondary education, 
that that's the thing we're going to do for the rest of our lives, right? Because that's all we know. And we have this, like, we've, we think that it's going to be this pretty straight path that A is going to lead to B to C to D. And then, right, uh, we're going to be fun and fulfilled along the way. And that's just not the case. It it rarely works out like yeah. a right like a like a course schedule or a course calendar where right first year leads to second year to third year. It rarely works out that way. But that's our experience, right? That's our experience with education all throughout school um, and then into post secondary. And and I believe that we think that that's how life is going to be, and and that all of our all of our education and all of our training that we've got up to this moment, that's going to be what's going to take us right throughout our careers. See, I guess I just didn't do it right from the beginning then because I had 11 majors and then I went to graduate school for something completely different. And I just kept changing. I kept following what felt right in the moment. Um, and I know I'm the anomaly, right? I know that that's not what a, a lot of people, most people do. Um, and I was so embarrassed about that for so much of my life. I was embarrassed that I couldn't figure out how to do what I saw everybody else doing. And it wasn't until my 40s until I realized. <laughs> I thought you were that. in your 30s already. <laughs> Wait, only in your 30s. That's confusing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nice played, Sarah. Appreciate that. The checks in the mail. Um, <laughs> the um, yeah, I was I was probably it was probably around the time when Izzy was born when it was I realized it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Just do you. Just follow your own path, and. You know, I love that you got that message from reading Gifts of Imperfection. I think I read it a few years into that journey, which also further normal normalized yeah. the fact that I wasn't taking the path that I thought I should have been taking all these years. So yeah, it's it I in the context of this idea of looking back to to move forward, where has reflection played a part in your journey? Every day of my life, I reflect. <laughs> I think part of it, if I can go for the shift from golf coaching to adding in some other things, mm -hmm. I started to realize that I, I, I've played golf since I was eight. Golf has always been a huge part of what I do. And I think I started to lose passion for the sport. And I was way more passionate about being a coach. And as a college golf coach, really 20% of what I do is very golf specific. The other 80% is I'm a travel agent and a therapist and a mom and a cool aunt and a van driver and all of the other things, right? I scheduler. And so I realized that coaching is what I'm really passionate about. And by getting a life coaching certificate, I certainly want to do more with that. And it made me a better college golf coach to realize I don't have to have all the answers, but I can bring in all the right people around me. Uh, and that's what I've done. I brought in a new assistant coach who is much more knowledgeable about the actual golf swing than me, which you would think as a golf coach, I would know the golf swing, which I do. I used to teach it solely. And now I am more of a, how do we get the ball in the hole faster? 
And I realized in the past, I've always taught lessons on the teaching tee and just watching someone hit. I hated that. I'm like, I'd rather take you on the course and do course strategy. So that's why I've changed my, the way I coach and realized that these, these are my skills. And I brought in someone else to fill in where my skills weren't. And it took a little uh, reflection to be okay with not being a perfect swing coach. And that's okay. And I think that's um, part of why I've decided to add in the life coaching and all the other things is if I can go back to you talking about Izzy for a minute, I just mm -hmm. always like to talk about Izzy. I know. Um, you deciding to have several different kinds of careers or just, it's, it's not a ladder to me. It's a jungle gym and mm -hmm. you're, you're modeling that for Izzy and she gets to see all these different things that you've done. And I look at that as a, a college coach. That's what I'm doing for the athletes I coach. They see that I wrote a book and all the stuff I did with that. They see I'm writing a second book. Um, I'm very open with them about all the different things in my life journey. And I think that's really, really special to do. So kudos to you. And to me, I guess. I was going to say and to you because what, I mean, what you're doing with the athletes. And it's funny because so when we met in 2020, um, at our initial retreat, there was that moment that you had where it was that deep reflection on what do I do? Yeah. Which direction am I going? And then to kind of see just over the last three years, that trajectory, and then hearing now how you're using your coaching skills, your, your life coaching skills, even with yourself to say, this isn't my strength. So how do I adapt so I can make what I do more meaningful? Yeah. Can I share a story? Of course. Um, I've shared the story a lot before, but when I came back from that three-day conference we had together, one of the things they said in the beginning was coaching is not giving advice. And as a, at that point, I'd been coaching for 15 years. My head almost exploded. I was like, wait, I give advice all the time to the team. But we learned a lot about asking the powerful question. We learned a lot about letting the client and for me, the student athlete get to the answer. And so that very next week I was at practice and there was a player on the team who was walking off one of the holes. I'll never forget. She was on hole six, headed to hole seven. She was in tears because she wasn't putting well. We were in practice. It was not qualifying. It wasn't a tournament. It, there wasn't much on the line. We were playing golf. So instead of saying, here's some ways to think about it, I just walked the next hole with her and I asked her question after question after question. Uh, and when she dodged the question, I found a different way to ask it. And by the time we got to the end of that hole, 10 minutes later, we realized that her father was watching her play golf in junior golf. And a parent of another player said to him, if your daughter could just putt, she'd be really good. Her father told her that. And ever since then, her self-esteem with putting was down and her older sister played college golf and was always a better putter than her. So this is like five years later, I'm walking the golf course with her and she was in tears over her putting and we got to the root of it. And I was like, let's talk about the fear and the insecurity underneath because your putting stroke is really good. It's just what's happening up here. And so she's, I gave her some homework <laughs> and um, some reflection herself and I, I, she's still on the team. I haven't heard about her putting sucking since then. <laughs> <laughs>
So that's kind of like what that, you know, they're taking the coaching skills into this and it's just been really, really helpful. Well, and that's a great example too, about like some of the, some of the shit that we bring from, right. From behind us and, and what prevents us from moving forward, right. We can get really stuck and we can think that the problem is really something else. And we mostly default to this, the tactical, right. If I only had a better golf swing, if I only, right. Uh, managed my time better, if I only showed up differently, right. Uh, with my family, if I could only, right do this skill, if I could only cook, it, right? We can fill that list of all kinds of tactical things about if only, right? If only I was better. Yeah. And and I love that story because like without that reflection, without those questions that take you back to understanding like what's really preventing you from moving forward, we don't ever move forward. Yeah. We can pretend we move forward. We can pretend that we got it figured out for a little while, but it's not going to last. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Yeah, I think what's interesting about what you just said, Louise, is, is there are so many people who are, they're taking, let's talk about career, they're taking career ladder steps up, right? They're they're making momentum, they're 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 moving forward. And yet what's happening is they're dragging all their shit with them. They jump from this job to another job because they expect life to get better at that new job. It wasn't the job that was the problem. It was all the shit that they were carrying with them, right? Wherever you go, you take yourself with you. You do. <laughs> How does that tie into your book? Uh, which one? The, the, the old one or the one I'm writing? Which <laughs> We'll start with this one. Um, as a college coach, I have found that we do not prepare student athletes for life after college very well. We teach them like how to do a push-up and how to make a putt and how much protein to eat versus carbs versus whatever, like fat. Right. And then we, we hand them a plane ticket and say, here's your plane. And we give them a hotel key and they don't, they don't necessarily have as many life skills as we think they do. So when I became a head coach 12 years ago, I actually started a program called real life 101 for the seniors. And I'm changing it to life after college 101 because this is all real life. And uh, I, I have several sessions for them, like a cooking session, a money management session. And then the one that the book came out of was Life Lessons with Coach. And so I just started meeting with them and I would give them a list. Like I made a little booklet of like 20 life lessons I've learned and we would go through each one of them. And my therapist at the time said, you should write a book out of that. So I put that in my think box for a while. And about three years later, I finally decided to do something with it. So uh, I turned the book into an 18 chapter book. There's 18 holes in golf. It starts with a letter to my 13 year old self from my 40 year old self. And then it goes into 18 life lessons. I've learned how I've like really what the lesson means, how I've learned it, how the reader can live it. And behind every chapter, there's a journal page with some questions for the reader to journal based on that lesson. And then I end it with a letter to my 80 year old self from my 40 year old self. And I'm, I'm super proud of the book because it's something that I give to every senior that graduates and we, we host a golf tournament and I have a donor who buys the books and we give it to every senior at that tournament. And it's just trying to spread that message of here's some skills that might be good for you to understand as you're graduating college. That's the fastest elevator pitch that I have. I hope we started on floor 125. 
That, um, just that exercise of, right. Um, writing a letter to your future self or having your future self write a letter to yourself. Um, it's so powerful because we actually get to step out of some of that swirl. Right. And we get to say, like, we get to recognize where we've come from and actually what, what we've done and what we've accomplished um, and, and what we're going to accomplish. Um, it's part of why Kim and I start every episode that we chat about. Uh, we talk about celebrations because we can only talk about celebrations by reflecting on the week, by looking back. And so we're not even talking about looking way back, right? Like when you're talking, Sarah, you're talking about, right? Like your 13-year-old self, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about way back. And there's so much power in that. And also these small little moments where we get to look back at a week ago and then how are we going to move forward a week from now, right? And, and it's in that reflection, that's where the lessons are, right? That's where we start to figure out what do we take with us and what do we leave behind? Um, and we make these small steps and these small changes, um, but we often forget to pull out the celebrations. We often forget what the lessons were and we're just driving, especially in our careers, right? That autopilot can kick in. And before you know it, like a decade has gone by um, and you haven't reflected and you don't know where you are and you barely know where you came from and you sure the heck don't know where you're going. Yeah. I thought of a few things. The letter to 13 year old self um, I had my dad send me a picture of my 13 year old self. I was such a dork. <laughs> but I, got go, I got to go back and look at that and remember and reflect on everything I've done since I was 13. And, you know, when I was 13, I would have told you I wanted to be a professional athlete. And that's not what I did. And I'm very, very proud of what I've done. Uh, I've also worked with a, uh, my own coach for the last 10 years. And one of the things she does is called weekly wins. And every Sunday you fill out a, a form where it's what were your wins from this week and it's small or big, uh, what went really well, what would you have liked to have changed and what are you looking forward to this week? Kind of what you're talking about, Louise, like it's kind of like a check-in reflect yeah. back. Let's move forward. Yeah. 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 I do that every night with Izzy. I've done it with her since she was three. We have that conversation every night. We say, you know, what are you grateful for today? What did you bring into the world today? Um, What's a do-over? So that can either be because it was something that really sucked and you want to have a chance to do it over or something that was really awesome that you want to do over again. What are you looking forward to tomorrow? And then I added in a new one as she's entering, as she was becoming a tween and entering puberty um, of what do you appreciate about your body? I love that. And so that is also a moment to reflect on self in a way that can be really uncomfortable, particularly as, as women, but I know it's not only women that have that challenge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it, but it is, I love that you do that every week. We do that every night. It's, it's that just that little check-in. Yeah. I use a lot of that with the student athletes that I coach too. When we have meetings, we'll typically talk about things like that, like reflections back on the last week and whatnot. And I do, uh, it's called high-low with the team. At the end of every college round, we get together, we have a little meeting before we practice. And 
they get to talk about their round by saying the low things that happen. They get to complain about like, like I had six, three putts today and I hit it out of bounds on 12, but then they follow it with more highs than lows. Mm -hmm. So if they gave two lows, then it's like, but I birdied the last two holes. I shot 74 and I loved the person in my group because I've known her since I was 12. So it's a, it's kind of a reflection back on, they all reflect on their rounds, both what was bad and good. So then they're sharing together what happened. Mm -hmm. and a teammate might be like, you know what? I understand that. That happened to me the other day. And this is how I responded. So I think even those quick, like the reflections of the last four hours is something we do after every yeah. tournament. And I was being generous there. Golf tournaments last like five or six hours. <laughs> we hope they're four. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about your um, work in progress and your new book. Yes. Uh, I talked about Wines Day Wednesday, which has changed dramatically in the last it has. 447 days. Um, I am not ashamed to say I believe I became addicted to alcohol and alcohol was becoming a real issue for me. I went to the number one party school in the nation, Penn State. I learned how to party very early. And as an athlete and a coach and someone in athletics, it's like this weird, I don't know, disparity that, I don't know if that's the word I want, but it's work hard, play hard. You work really hard in the gym. You work really hard on the court, on the course, in the field, in the pool, and then you go chug beers, right? And it's like, let's celebrate. We just moved our body really hard. Now let's just drink a bunch of beer. And that's just something that I learned in my life. And I, I never really stopped it. I just became more fancy and drank red wine instead. Um, and so there's times throughout my life that I just felt like I needed to check in on that. And I would do dry January. You got, you are all a part of it. I would do dry January. I would do dry season where I wouldn't drink all of golf season, but then it just went back to normal. The bad normal for me is I'm really good at abstaining from not, not drinking. But once I have a drink, it turns into four. And part of it is my personality of being competitive. <laughs> part of it is that alcohol is an addictive substance and it brings your inhibitions down. And after a little bit, you don't really think about the choices you're making. And so my sister-in-law actually uh, stopped drinking January 1st, 2021. And I realized if she could do it, I could do it. So January 1st, 2022, I purposely woke up very hungover so that I knew I wanted to quit drinking. <laughs> And I decided to stop and I was going to do it for one year. That was my commitment. And after about 90 days, I was like, I don't think I'll drink ever again. Mm. And now I'm uh, over 15 months in and it's just been a really, really, really great experience. I feel like I've become a better version of myself and I've always felt like I've worked hard to be a good version. I just, alcohol was holding me back. Um, I would get really emotional and sometimes mean after a couple of drinks. And um, I felt like it was time. So part of what helped me is what they call quit lit. And that's books about quitting drinking. There are a couple of books out there that are based in the science, based in the culture, explaining, especially in America, I don't know how it is in Canada, how much alcohol is so prevalent in our society. And oh, yeah. <laughs> And understanding that it's not your fault if you're addicted. It's an addictive substance and it's shoved down your throat everywhere. Yeah. 
uh, pun sort of intended there. And so those books really helped me that, that were more science-based too, like what happens to your body. But then there were books that were uh, stories and some of them were like, there's one called Sober Diaries. There's one called We Are the Luckiest. There's one called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. And this is these, and they're all written by women so far. I haven't found one written by a man that I wanted to read yet. It's just not on purpose. Um, and they're telling their story. And those really helped me to see like, oh, I'm not crazy. I totally understand what that person went through. The thing that I, I started doing was journaling in, in December of 2021 before I quit. And I've been journaling every, ever since. And I was thinking I might turn that into a book. And the more that I've done it and I've reflected on what I've written, I'm like, I actually have something here. Like I, I think the big thing for me is that I have a, a different perspective of being in athletics and being in the LGBT community. I have not come across a book that has been written by either someone who's a college coach or was a college athlete. And maybe they were, but they don't talk about it in the book. And no one that I've read in the LGBTQIA plus, there's a lot of letters, community. And I thought that was really important maybe to show a different way. Mm -hmm. So I am 10 chapters in and I'm going to wait a little bit longer before I consider trying to publish. Beautiful. How was that elevator speech? That was long. <laughs> it was, but it, but it, what a, an amazing journey, right? And definitely talks to what we were talking about this looking back to move forward yeah. right is is you're you're now looking back over what you wrote in your journal for that you know the 12 to 15 months that you're taking into consideration here and thinking about what do you want to move forward from that what do you want to i don't do you know what i'm trying to say wow the brain stopped there um what do you want to create from that? Yeah. And it's interesting when you said, looking back, um, we've mentioned my wife, Kat, who is a wonderful human being. Uh, I've had a lot of shame and guilt around my drinking when I drank. I would wake up hungover and just be like covered in shame and self-loathing and, you know, the 3 a.m. wake up foggy, have to go to the bathroom, feeling crappy, not getting back to sleep. And she never really told me how my drinking affected her because she said I, there wasn't really room for her to process her emotions with it because I was too busy beating myself up already. She didn't want to pile on. And just recently she came across a note in her phone from July of 2020. And it was a night where I drank too much and I said some mean things to her. We got into a fight. We only fight, only used to fight when I was drinking or both of us. And I said some stuff to her. She wrote it in her notes because she wanted to talk to me about it later. Next morning, I woke up feeling like crap. She never told me about it. And she just found the note like six weeks ago, shared it with me. And I had now have my title for my book. Hmm. I got up after falling asleep on the floor with the dog, falling asleep, passing out. And she woke me up and said, you go to, you know, you got to go to bed. And I stormed away and yelled at her, next time leave me on the floor. And I went to bed. I was so mad at her for waking me up. And I was like, I wouldn't have acted that way if I hadn't been drinking. So that is my working title of the book is next time leave me on the floor. 
and talking a lot about how my drinking affected her as well. And that's a big reason of you were talking about very eloquently, Kim, about move taking something from the past and what do you want to bring forward? That's really it is realizing that I turned into a jerk after drinks and I don't want that. And I don't want to destroy my marriage because I can't only drink one and then I turn into someone different. So that has been my journey with that. And a huge part is I've been reflecting back on a lot of stories of stuff that I've done. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. (laughs) No, I'm not. That's not true. No, thank you. Like no grace and courtesy, please. (laughs) Well, you know, and I believe too, is that we do the best we can with the resources we have at the time. And so, right. Like, you, Sarah, you just weren't, you weren't ready to make that change until you're ready to make that change. And oftentimes that's, that's what happens, right? It doesn't come externally. It doesn't come from, uh, it usually doesn't come from an event outside of us. It comes from an event inside of us. And sometimes those events, um, look big and impactful and dramatic. And sometimes those events aren't, that impactful or dramatic to the outside world. And yet they can change and alter our course. Um, right. And so taking the time to understand and appreciate like what that was inside you that allowed you, right. To get unstuck and to move forward. And there's a lot of reflection that goes on there. Um, and, and being able to be okay, right. With who we were, Um, and, and, and owning and owning that, right. And, and leaving the shame, uh, beside, because we all, we all try our best with the resources that we have at the time. Um, and now you're resourced differently. You have a different toolbox, right. You have all kinds of different things at your fingertips, um, that help you move forward. Yeah. I, I went through something last spring when I quit drinking and about, Two months after I went through it, I realized I was reading a book that described kind of what happens. And it was based off of some research of a a bunch of people who either were addicted to alcohol or just giving up alcohol. And the first 45 days, they call the pink cloud, which is like 45 days of like, I can do this. I'm awesome. Yay. And then you hit a wall and it's day 45 to 100 on average is when you feel stuck and you feel like, why am I doing this? I can't. And all these other things start setting in. I went through a pretty bad depression Uh, and it, and I, and I was, I was reflecting back. I looked at the 45 day mark to the hundred mark. I'm like, yep, that was what was happening to me. But being able to look back and realize I got through that, I got over the wall. There will be another wall someday, but I got to the other side. I was so depressed. I was thinking about quitting college coaching. I had a lot going on. I just, I wasn't thinking clearly. And, and I just, I, I was crying every day for like 50 days. It, and then I got to the other side of it. And now I'm signing another contract to stay coaching. And, and I'm so glad I got through that. And I allowed myself to go through that and to reflect back on what I was actually going through. It wasn't that I hated coaching. It was that I was depressed and don't make decisions when you're depressed. <laughs> um, so I just think that's part of it too, is when I'm reading all these journal entries and I'm reflecting back on where I was last January, I don't even recognize her. Mm-hmm. And some of the stories I think of in like high school and college, I don't, I don't, there's so much that I missed because of drinking and I don't want to do that anymore. 
So that's a huge part is I know like a lot of what you, you all talk about is career and the drinking part was stopping me from being the best coach I could be. And so a lot of times things in your personal life really can affect your professional life. And now I'm like, and I share with the team about my, my journey and they're super supportive and grateful to hear about it. And I don't know. I just think it's making me a better coach. We don't leave our personal selves at home when we are working. Yeah. And we very often think we can bifurcate ourselves in that way that we can, um, you know, put a certain part of us in a box and just say, that's, that's them. That's, that's who I am then versus who you show up as and, and how it's affecting you. You weren't drinking on the job, so that wasn't affecting you yeah. in that way, but, but it I was, was hung over on the job. Sometimes. You were hung over on the job. So you were having a physical manifestation, but you were also, as you just said, you weren't being your best self or the best self that you were being the best self that you could at that time with your resources yeah. that you had. And as Louise said, with new resources, you get to be a different version of yourself that you're calling a better version of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I've brought so many new people into my life. Mm -hmm. I have this Tuesday night call that I'm on for women in Northern California who don't drink. And it's just fun to, and I've gone on a vacation with some of these women and I've met people at, there's a non-alcoholic bar here. I had no idea there was a non-alcoholic bar. I have a chapter in this book that says regret is as useful as non-alcoholic beer because I didn't understand that non-alcoholic beer is actually really useful. <laughs> so if you read this, it was old. Um, but I, I just, I didn't realize the other resources there are for the non-alcoholic movement and the alcohol-free movement is huge. There are so many non-alcoholic beers and wines and liquors. So you feel like you can still have like a fun drink, but you're not hungover. And that's a resource I didn't have before. These people in my life, I have a gratitude partner who I met through this group that we text each other every day, something we're grateful for. And if we miss a day, I'm like, oh, I got to do two things today. <laughs> like that's, that's huge. And so I didn't have those resources in the past. And what both of you have said a lot is with the information you had at the time, I have a lot more information now yeah. and it's helping me show up as a better coach, a better wife, better friend. Feel, feel solid with it. Well, I think that's a lovely place to, to kind of wrap this up where, where when we're looking back, right, whether we're looking back for information, as you said, with um, the, with your um, student athlete on when you were walking with her and helping her kind of look back to find those nuggets, or if you're looking back to do some healing, if you're looking back how, for whatever reason, it allows you to then step forward with new information because whoever we were then, we are not that same person. It doesn't matter what has changed in our lives. Every day we grow as human beings. And so allowing ourselves to look at the past and the present through a new lens, I think creates some, some great opportunities for growth and development. So, what are our golden nuggets? What, do, what are our takeaways? What are we putting in our pockets today? As Louise would say. Louise, what are your, are, do you, do we all do this? Yeah, we all, we all get to do it. Louise, what are yours? Um, I really like what you were saying, Sarah, just around like there's this, 
there's this kind of this euphoria that we go through when we make a change um, that lasts for a short time and we kind of hit can hit a wall and that it can be really uh, tough to 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 get over that. But to to remain on course and to remain on track by digging into really kind of what's going on and being true to yourself. I think this happens in so many different places in our lives where we can go from like, try to go from like euphoric moment to euphoric moment to euphoric moment. And then we, we miss doing the work. We miss doing the reflection. We miss kind of digging deeper into really what's happening. And that just really struck me when you talked about what you call like the pink cloud. The pink cloud, yeah. Yeah. And so oftentimes I think that actually like we can get addicted to that a little bit and we just can we can miss doing the work um, when we just think that it, it's just going to be that easy or it's just going to be it's just going to be like that all the time. Um, and, and we miss doing what's important. I think when when it's hard and when it's scary. Um, those are the places we need to dig in and understand ourselves a little bit more. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Cause it really, I really appreciate um, and see where sometimes I pink cloud it a little bit. Um, and I just want to hop to the next cloud, right. Um, without fully understanding where I'm at or what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Sarah? What's your, uh, what's your golden nugget? I actually have two quotes I want to share that are like, that just this whole conversation has reminded me of and what you just talked about, Louise, uh, is commitment is doing, is continuing to do what you said you were going to do when your mood that you said you were going to do in it has changed. So, you know, like when you're like, I'm going to run a marathon and I'm all excited. And then like three months later, you're like, why am I still running? It's when you push through and remember like what your why was right? Your mood may have changed. You might not be as excited and you still keep striving to go forward to what you said you were going to do. And the other one is about setbacks. And this is something that I've learned a lot in the last, especially the last 15 months is uh, giving up after a setback is like slashing your other three tires when you get a flat. Mm, I love that. <laughs> and I think that's a lot about what we've been talking about is you got a flat tire okay, well, fix the flat tire and keep moving forward or, or reflect back that maybe you should have tried to miss that pothole or that thing in the road <laughs> and just, but you hit it. So fix it and move forward. And I just think that's my biggest takeaway is just remembering to reflect back too. like the weekly wins. I said, I don't always do it every week and that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's finding the right time to do that and to spend a little time reflecting on the good and the bad and what do I want to bring forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Kim, what's your nugget? So my nugget is about resourcing. It's, it's just always a good reminder that we are, we have resources that are available to us at all times. And we are also always learning and accumulating new resources. So if you don't have the resources that you think you need, such as, non-alcoholic beer being, uh, you know, available or a non-alcoholic bar being available. Yeah. Um, there are always new things you can learn about and there are always new resources to find. So don't like not getting stuck in the, I can't move forward because I don't have the resources. Yeah. 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 You can still participate in Wines Day Wednesday with Louise. You just drink non-alcoholic <laughs> wine. Amen. 
So, yeah, um, you, you know, when you talk about resources and tools in your toolbox, I think, too, is sometimes is you you have a resource, you maybe just need to use it differently. Yeah. Right. Like I often say, like, sometimes we have a wrench and we're using it like a hammer and it's doing a good job and it's it's getting the job done, but we're not using the right resource or the right tool. And, and just by looking right, reflecting back, going through your toolbox and you say, hey, what's this thing? It kind of looks like a hammer. Maybe that's what I should try. So, must envision snowblowers. <laughs> Way to we have hammer a whole episode on snowblowers. We will um, have to. We will. Way to, Way to hammer, hammer it home, nice home, Sarah. Louise. <laughs> well, here we go, folks. You spent another lovely part of your afternoon, evening, or morning, which whenever you are listening to this um, with us, Sarah. We are so grateful for you to be here with us. Um, what do you have? Um, coming up or where would you like people to be able to reach out to you? I am actually two things with the student athletes. I am running a program this summer called ninth semester coaching, and it's for student athletes as they're graduating to transition to life after college. Uh, all the information is on the website, saradolcoaching.com. Oh, look at that. It popped up <laughs> right when I said it. Just like magic. Um, you are AI. Um, and the book will be coming out. I, I want to wait till I get to my comma day, which is when you have a thousand days alcohol free because you earned your comma. Get it? $9.99. To, okay. Um, the book well, will- still looks confused. There. No, I got it. Okay, good. <laughs> There's no conversions of a thousand in, in, <laughs> for Canada. Is that so, Canadian days or American days? <laughs> it's American. It's both. Uh, that will be out in 2020 four or five is my goal. So you got to stick around for that. Fantastic. Cool. I'm really looking forward to being part of your ninth semester coaching. Um, and I think that's a fantastic wow. program. Um, so uh, kudos to you to putting that out there. Um, a much needed um, resource for uh, folks who are um, transitioning um, into, you called it real life, but into a, a different stage of their lives. So um, fantastic. Uh, thanks so much, Sarah, for being on our show today. Uh, love and appreciate you. Um, and thanks, Kim, uh, as well. We've had a blast. Next Thank week. You. Next week. Um, as always, here we are every week. Uh, and we're going to be talking about inner strength with uh, Sabrina Oso. Um, that's March the 31st. Uh, same bat time, same bat channel. Um, and you can find us here um, talking with Sabrina. Thank what else? Did I forget anything? Nope, you got it. Nailed Yay. it. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Louise. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in um, live or on the replay. We appreciate you for continuing to listen and take part in kick-ass conversations. Now go out there and have a kick-ass conversation of your own. Bye everyone. Bye for now.